Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, October 15th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Every morning by 5 a.m. in London, we'll bring you the top business stories you need to know to start your day. And today, in our first briefing, we'll be looking at yet another bump in the road to Brexit, why Angela Merkel's grand coalition may be in trouble, and how a $20 billion drug market is up for grabs. I'm Amy Keene. And I'm Eric Krupke. And here's the global news you need to start your day. Some hoped a Brexit deal might be close yesterday, but it looks like it might still be far off. EU and British negotiators in Brussels had a potential deal sketched out, but Prime Minister Theresa May said that deal won't work. The biggest issue is still the so-called Irish backstop, and that's the guarantee that there will be no hard border in Ireland. The FT's political editor, George Parker, brings us up to speed. I'm in the House of Commons at Westminster, where Brexit talks are very much in the balance after a dramatic standoff in Brussels on Sunday evening. Theresa May sent her Brexit envoy, Dominic Raab, to Brussels to say there was no way that she could sign on the dotted line on the deal on Brexit, which has been presented by the European Union. She fears it would simply rip her government apart with cabinet resignations and also the rising up of the Democratic Unionist Party, the Northern Ireland politicians who prop up her government, who think the deal is simply unacceptable and would treat Northern Ireland as a separate entity within the UK. Now, the question is, can this be salvaged before a European Council meeting on Wednesday? Or does this presage really the breakdown in Brexit talks and the possibility that Britain will start drifting towards the exit? To be honest, nobody knows. Theresa May is going to convene her cabinet ministers tomorrow to decide what to do next. But the clock's ticking. And if we don't get a deal within the next 48 hours, the prospect of a complete breakdown, I think, becomes much more likely. And Europe's largest economy is also facing political uncertainty. You're listening to the sounds of Bavarians at the polls yesterday. The biggest takeaway? The support for the parties and Chancellor Angela Merkel's grand coalition is shrinking in Germany's largest state. The Christian Social Union Party has held a majority since 1957, and that's the conservative sister party of Merkel's Christian Democrats. According to exit polls last night, their share of the vote fell to about 36 percent which is much lower than five years ago when they got nearly half the vote. The biggest issue this year was immigration. The CSU talked tough on Merkel's decision to let more than a million refugees into Germany between 2015 and 2016. But that strategy seems to have backfired. Moderate voters instead chose to go with the Greens, which got about 18%. And the far-right Alternative for Germany party won about 11% of the vote. The question now is whether Merkel's three-party coalition can survive a full term. And tomorrow, the patent for the world's best-selling prescription drug will expire in Europe. Humira, which is manufactured by U.S. pharmaceutical group AbbVie, treats a range of conditions like rheumatoid arthritis and Crohn's disease. And the end of the patent means some of the most prominent pharmaceutical companies are lining up to get a slice of the drug's nearly $20 billion global market. Several companies have already secured approval from the EU to make their Humira substitutes. And that might mean trouble for AbbVie's bottom line. In 2017, Humira made up 66% of the company's sales, and that figure is expected to drop to 39% by 2024. And here's something you might want to know more about. Over the weekend, Saudi Arabia responded to international pressure about a missing Saudi journalist. Last week, Jamal Khashoggi disappeared after entering a Saudi embassy in Istanbul. 
Turkish officials have since said they have proof that Saudi agents tortured and killed Khashoggi, but Saudi Arabia denies those accusations. U.S. President Donald Trump warned the Saudis that there could be severe repercussions if they don't provide answers. We're going to get to the bottom of it, and there will be severe punishment. On Sunday, the kingdom released a statement saying if it, quote, receives any action, it will respond with greater action. The FT's Andrew England is here to tell us what those actions could mean for the global economy. There's an implicit threat that they could use their economic clout to retaliate. Now, Saudi Arabia is the biggest exporter of oil around the world, and it's the biggest swing uh, producer. So that means it has sufficient spare capacity to increase oil production if needed to have an impact on the price of oil, something President Donald Trump has been putting pressure on Saudi Arabia to do. So they have you know, the potential to impact on oil exports globally, which of course can affect uh, oil prices. Now, the Saudi general manager of Al Arabiya television station, which is Saudi-owned, he wrote a column in which he suggested that the Saudi authorities were discussing at least 30 measures, including no longer committing to uh, the current oil export levels of seven and a half million, which could you know, increase prices and then threatening uh, Riyadh could turn more to Moscow and Beijing. He even suggested that Saudi Arabia could look to repair ties with Iran, which is you know, uh, Saudi Arabia's bitter regional rival. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman has been attempting to modernize Saudi society and its economy and Europe has been really supportive of that. So can you talk about what this might mean for that process? Well, I mean, since Crown Prince Mohammed uh, bin Salman became heir apparent, he's been talking a lot about the need to modernize the economy and modernize the kingdom, like you say. Now, that's drawn a lot of goodwill from Western allies who believe economic reform is needed in the kingdom and those who also want, you know, are very aware of the financial power of Saudi Arabia. It's you know, one of the biggest spenders on arms uh, globally. It buys a lot of equipment from the US, uh, from the UK. And if his economic reforms would succeed, then, you know, that could create a lot of business and investment opportunities for Western companies. Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, which is a sovereign wealth fund, has become much more active, much more aggressive in its mandate. It's bought uh, stakes in companies like Uber and Tesla. It's doing deals with uh, or joint ventures with companies, including General Electric, Boeing, Virgin. So his vision for modernizing the economy has created a lot of interest. And Saudi Arabia is a key regional power. So he's had a lot of goodwill from Western governments. Now this is raising questions about his autocratic tendencies, his previously detained activists, his previously detained clerics, he's detained businessmen, he's detained bloggers and journalists. And, and Western governments have, by and large, tended to turn a blind eye to that. But because Jamal Khashoggi is so prominent and because of the allegations, as we say, not yet confirmed, that he was killed, that's really shocked the world. And that's, that's sort of, it seems that this could be an occasion where the Saudi government, if it's proven to be involved, has crossed a line. So now there's a lot of questioning about whether companies, whether executives will attend a big conference scheduled for later this month in Riyadh, which has been called the Davos in the Middle East because of the pulling power of the conference. So I think what we're going to see is a lot more questioning about the kind of relationship and ties businesses, Western institutions should have with Riyadh. 
On Sunday night, a JP Morgan Chase spokesman said Chief Executive Jamie Dimon would not be attending that big conference, which is called the Future Investment Initiative. Mr. Dimon joins a long list of executives and corporate sponsors that have pulled out of the so-called Davos in the desert, including Uber Chief Dara Khosrowshahi. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we're also following third quarter results from Bank of America and U.S. retail sales data for the month of September. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for all the latest business and politics news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.